try to recall some of the things that were said today um, and asking you that question, what's God saying to you personally today? Um, whether it be even through some of the stuff in the video, what you catch there, or um, some of the things we're going to look at here. Um, and then when you write, the reason I want you to do that is because we can oftentimes hear things and then walk away and forget what we heard. My encouragement to you is to listen, to take some mental notes or some written notes, and then to go home and dive into those things and really consider the things you feel like God was sharing with you today. Uh, first thing I'd like to tell you, specifically to fathers this morning, but it's true for men in general, is that... Uh, Click me forward, Em. Um, it's not working today for some reason. Fatherhood is leadership. Fatherhood is leadership. So if you want to know as a, as a guy today what your calling is, if you're thinking about fatherhood, but as men in general, but let's talk to fathers. As a father, what's your responsibility? What's God's call in your life? It's to lead your children and to lead your family. And don't ever forget that. It's those two things. As a father, leading your children and leading your family is what God's call and when you have a good handle on what your call or your purpose is in life, that can build motivation and will energize and give you direction. So if you find yourself floundering in life and wondering what you're supposed to be doing or needing some energization or motivation or whatever, remember what God's call is to lead your family and your children. Um, and then I would encourage you to take that, that call seriously, commit to it, have passion about it. Um, take it really seriously. Because what you're passionate about and what you take seriously shows to the people around you. If you take your leadership role in your family seriously, it's going to show to your family and it's going to show to those that observe you and everybody is observing. But if you don't take it seriously and you're not committed to it and you're not passionate about it, that's going to show as well. It will show to your wife, it will show to your children, and it will show to others around you. My encouragement to you is to commit to being the best leader in your family that you can be and how important is it how important is it to have an actively leading father in a family and you will not you have to search for these things because it's becoming less and less important in our culture to have an intact family uh, we're being told that that's not important but yet the research shows just the opposite um, children with active fathers Ready? Children with active fathers who are actively engaged in family life, actively engaged in leading, have better grades, experience less depression. And in recent months, I've been reading several articles about the tremendous rise in depression um, in teenagers, or even young people, all the way down into even elementary school, which is stuff that they said before has been totally unheard of. Um, but active, children with active fathers have better grades, experience less depression, have an easier time adjusting to life changes, and they make better choices. Now, the fire says, say this, having an active Christian father leading. Okay, let's add the Christian tag to that. Makes it more likely that a child will grow and maintain a strong faith in God and follow God's ways throughout their life. It's very important that you lead as a Christian. I'm going to give you some, uh, what I would call some leadership tidbits right now. A fatherhood is leadership. Let's read a couple of quotes here. First off, this is from Dwight Eisenhower. The supreme quality of leadership is unquestionably integrity. Um, integrity is being honest and having very strong moral principles. Okay? And uh, Proverbs says this, the man of integrity walks securely, but he takes crooked 
but he who takes crooked's path will be found out. Guys, integrity will protect you, according to the Proverbs. Integrity will protect you. It will keep you safe and free from danger, fear, and anxiety, because you've got nothing to hide. When you're a person full of integrity who tells the truth, it will protect you from danger, fear, and anxiety because you've got nothing to hide. Now what, let's talk about honesty for a second. What does that mean? Honesty means all the time, in all situations, you tell the truth. All the time, in all situations, you tell the truth. No white lies. No half-truths no avoidance of the truth, and no dancing around the truth. Going back to the idea, it's telling the truth in all situations at all times, no matter what. You say, well, that's an awful old-fashioned, narrow point of view. But that's when honesty and integrity is. You want people to look at you and know that when something comes out your mouth or when they ask you a question, they're invariably going to get the whole truth. And they can trust that. The truth is important, so make sure that your children see you value the truth by always telling it. If it's important to you, which it should be, that your children tell the truth, then you have to model that by telling them the truth in all situations and not avoiding it. Another leadership tidbit. The only way to lead is by example. The only way to lead is by example. Remember, your actions speak louder than your words do. <clears throat> Another quote here. Fatherhood isn't about your title. <clears throat> it's not about do as I say, not as I do. <clears throat> it's about how your actions and the example that you set impacts the lives of others. And another one here. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Leadership is about inspiring others, another thing. Leadership is about inspiring others. Inspiration happens automatically when you set the right example. You, know, you wonder how, to, how, you, how you should inspire somebody. We always want to inspire somebody on to good things. How does that happen? It happens automatically when you set a good example, when you set the right example. And what does that mean? What you really want is when the going get get, gets tough sometime in the lives of your children, when your lives of your children are they're in, in conflict, whether they're young people, whether they're married themselves or older in life, when they encounter difficulty, they will automatically see what you do or remember what you did and how you reacted, and they will invariably follow that. You say, but that's putting a heavy on us. Is that really true? That's what, you, what I, would, I, I label it, that's what you call a, a child's default settings. And that follows a child all the way into adulthood, their default settings. The default setting is they have ingrained, dads, how you handled situations, what you did in difficult times, what you did when your back was against the wall. And without even thinking about it, without even thinking about it, when they encounter a similar situation, they automatically think, what did dad do? And that can be even if it's, even, it even happens with, with people who had terrible examples as fathers. When we're under pressure, we oftentimes don't have time to think about what to do next. We go back to and pressure to our default settings. And, parent, and fathers, you're putting a default setting into your children. So let's hope it's the right one. Let's make it the right one. Leadership is not about titles. Again, it's about one life influencing and inspiring another. And then a quote from J John Quincy Adams, if your actions inspire others to dream more, 
to learn more, to do more, to become more, then you're a leader. Oftentimes, guys, we shy away from being considered a leader or called a leader, but those things are true. If, if you inspire somebody to dream more, learn more, do more, or become more, you're automatically a leader. Actually, you're automatically a leader when you have a child. Actually, you're automatically a leader when you get married from God's perspective, and you can't get away from that. Leadership, another thing. Leadership is all about decision-making. It's all about decision-making. So if it's all about decision-making, then make good decisions. A couple of ways to make good decisions. First off, consult God. First and foremost, consult God in your decisions. That means in prayer, what are you, finding out what he has to say in the Word of God. Okay, that's first and foremost. Consult your wife. Include your wife as an equal in your call to lead. She's given to you to complete and to help and to work at those things. So when it comes to decision makings, don't make them all on your own. Don't make many all on your own. Include your wife in that process. And then consult your kids sometimes. Not all the time. There are times it's good to have discussions with your children about a decision that they need to make. There's other times you just need to make a decision. Um, and you can ponder on that one a bit, what the difference is between the two. But we live in a day and age where increasingly we're encouraged to consult our children on everything, and that's ridiculous. Sometimes kids are not anywhere near close to qualified to make a decision, nor to even know what's best for them or even what they want. But there are other times that you can. Um, so go ahead, guys, and make decisions. Don't avoid them. Don't run away from them. Don't wait for somebody else to make a decision. Hit them head on and directly and make the best decision possible that you can at a time. At the time. Next thing. Leaders are readers and readers are leaders. This actually is, I don't know who is responsible for saying that one, but that goes actually to the highest of highest levels. I think it was probably, if I'm a correct leader, it was, came from somebody who was a very high uh, military leader or one, of the, or one of the famous people maybe in World War II or somebody. But talking about leaders are readers and readers are leaders, and you'll find that all over the place as a statement. So become a student of fatherhood and become a student of leading. If you're a father, you're automatically there. We said fatherhood is about leading. It is leading. So make it your goal in life to become a student of what it means to be a good leader and a good father. Find good resources. They're all over the place. Find good resources and then read them. Now, a couple encouragements. Not everybody likes to read. I get that. And unfortunately, some of us were turned off to reading at a young age and have never picked it back up again to give it a chance again. I'm going to tell you this, reading gets better with practice. Reading gets better with practice. So if you, if, you, if, you, if, you ha if you have a bad taste in your mouth because of your schooling, reading was physically hard for you, mentally hard for you, or you've never found a good book that ever caught your interest, my encouragement is don't give up and don't quit. Keep looking for topics that interest you, specifically ones like this and, and the idea of leadership and fatherhood and those kinds of things. There's lots of good stuff out there to read. I want to encourage guys to this. We practice lots of things in life. You know, if we're into sports, we practice sports. If we're into music, we practice music. If we're, if we just practice a lot of different things until we get good at it. Most of those things have little to no eternal significance that we put time and effort into practicing in life. But this idea of leadership and fatherhood is something that has eternal significance. 
it can shape generations now and have an ongoing effect of generations to come. So why would we not then practice in reading to get better at these things we're called to do? Another encouragement to you, if you don't like to read, there are so many resources out there in the technological age that you can get most things on audiobooks or listen to it. So if you're not a person that likes to open up paper and read it, then make yourself available, make available to yourself things and resources that are read to you whether it be podcasts, whether it be books on audiobooks, that kind of thing. There. That way you can use the time in your car or the times that you have working on things when you, when you, when you have time to listen to, to, to saturate yourself with truth. Um, next thing here, characteristics of Christ-like leaders. Now, in your bulletin is a list. I'm not going to go over those. I just didn't have enough. There's so much stuff that I had to present today that I didn't do that one. That one's for you to take home. The, the characteristics of Christ-like uh, leaders. Um, I would encourage you to take the time, take that one there. Don't take it home and pitch it away. I can't control that, but take it home and let it sit prominently someplace. And then when you're done reading it the first time, then reread it and read it again and ponder the truths that are in there. And then let it float around your house a bit so you find it at different times in different places and relook at it. But uh, the one characteristic I want to bring up to you, the most important characteristic in being a Christ-like leader sounds redundant, but it's your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The most important characteristic that you have as a leader and as a father is your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this. If you successfully point your children to an authentic, real relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you've done your job. Let me say it again. If you point your children to an authentic and real relationship with God through Jesus Christ, You've done your job. You say, well, what about all that other stuff? If they have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, they're going to learn all that other stuff along. It doesn't mean that we shirk those things of, of responsibilities in life. But I'm saying we need to focus on the most important thing, which is the relationship with God. All the other duties and jobs and aspects of your call as a leader and as a father are made possible by a, an authentic and deep relationship with God. So my encouragement to you is to start and end with that relationship, your relationship with God. And you can be assured that if you are focusing attention, a main part of your attention on your relationship with God, that he's going to speak with you and he's going to address you and he's going to teach you and he's going to train you on all the other things it takes to be a leader in your home. Here's another truth I came across. First off, you can read the, the cartoon there a bit. It's a little boy asking this old woman, why did they take so? Why were they 40 years in the desert? And she, without looking up, she just says, "Because even back then, men didn't like to ask. Moses didn't want to ask for directions. I don't know, that's not the way it happened, but that's that stereotypical that men don't like to ask for directions. What it actually gets onto is, let's go a step further here. This, that, uh, well, let me say this. I came remember reading this week that most men, most men find it difficult to ask for help. Most men find it difficult to ask for help." And that includes our questions about being a father. Now, I, I don't know. I'm a man. I don't know why that's the case, but I know it's true. It's true of me. And I haven't, men are, have a hard time asking for help. Um, and instead of gals, instead of bashing men that it's a problem that they just need to get over, I think it has some things to do, too, with the way that we're wired. God, God made us a certain way 
because we're God, God made us a certain way to lead and to be out doing things and to do those things and to figure things out. We're wired that way. And part of it is the way we're wired. Part of it is our own shortcomings, too. It's not fully, we, there's not a full excuse for that. Sometimes it's our pride. We need to be humble and ask that thing. So, so let's just face this. Men find it difficult to ask for help. It includes questions about fathering. I really don't know all the answers why, so what do we do about that? Let's first off look at a few things here. To give you an indication, three main concerns that men often have that they're not willing to talk about or ask about. They're concerned about performance. Fathers worried about having what it takes to be a good father, however that they define that. Okay? So they may never say it. We may never say it. We may never ask anybody for advice on that, but we are concerned and worried, do we have really what it takes? I don't, think there's an, I don't think there's a man out there that has their first child and wonders, as their, as their wife is pregnant, if they wonder whether they have what it takes to really be a good dad. And I think that chases them all the way through life. Because if you've been a father, you know what happens is stages come before you're ready for them. And each thing seems to catch you off guard. Even if you've fathered or have, have parented three, four, five children, it seems like the last one, things still come upon you before you're ready for it. And we wonder, do we have what it takes? Another thing that fathers worry about, they're concerned about providing protection and financial security for their families. And oftentimes they never say anything about that. But gals, you don't understand the weight, and that's a God-given weight, the responsibility to take care of financially and physically for their home. And they're concerned whether they're doing it well enough. Another thing. Mortality. Fathers are aware of their own limited time and are concerned about their legacy. They want to provide their children with the emotional and practical skills necessary to navigate life. Those are things that, whether a man is, is successful at fathering or leading at all, those are the nagging questions that are there. And I'm not sure that it hits necessarily this idea of mortality hits a 22-year-old or 23-year-old or 25-year-old. But boy, it doesn't take long when you get, start moving up in age and you begin to realize that you have a limited amount of time. And it not only grows in that situation. And then as you're looking at the limited amount of time, the concern comes, am I doing enough? And what's the legacy I'm going to leave behind? And like I said, you pair that with the fact that those are the things that are gnawing inside of a man. And then the fact that they don't often talk about it and aren't willing, oftentimes willing or don't know how to ask the right questions in there. Those are an awful lot of weights to go on with that. We're going to get to some, some solutions to maybe something in a second. And I want to encourage you with this. For guys, you know, God has called you to lead your family. He's called you to lead your children. He's called you to lead your wife. Now, he's also equipped you. He did not give you this calling, this task, this job to do, and then leave you all by yourself to figure that out. He's given you an awful lot of things. Um, God doesn't ask us to do anything in life without giving us the necessary tools and power, 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 um, and, uh, power to get it done. Look at this, this scripture here. It's in Second Peter. It says this, His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The scripture tells us that God has given us everything, specifically, let's talk, he's given us everything that we need for this call of being a leader in our home. Another neat thing about this one, he says, you participate, you 
personalize it. I, you, if you're a man this morning, you participate in the divine nature of God. What does that mean? You say, well, I don't feel that divine. By, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you participate in the divine nature of God, which includes his power, his wisdom, and his love which means you have the power to do those things he's called you to do. You have the wisdom to make good choices, and you have the capacity to love the way God does, to love your children unconditionally and to love your wife unconditionally the way God intends. Those things are meant to help you accomplish the task, and they're also, the other thing it says in there, the other thing that this idea of having a part of his divine nature and all those things there, it's meant to keep us to keep us from being corrupted by the world around us. Increasingly, we're inundated and, and surrounded and just smacked all the time with the junk from the world and different philosophies and different thinking, and if we're not careful, we can find ourselves slipping into some of that stuff. This idea, this divine nature, the divine power that God gives is actually something that's meant to keep us clean and keep us away from the things of the world and to not affect us, but we have to tap into it. Always remember this, that as you're leading and you're walking this whole leadership thing out in your family, that you're not doing it alone. You're not doing it alone. God's right there with you at all times. He asked you to do something. He promised he'd never leave you nor forsake you. He gave you the equipment, and he's right there as a reference all the time. Now, let's talk about the importance of asking. The importance of asking. Giving the fact that men have a hard time asking. Um, actually, we can be fed a line that's not true, that if you were a real man and really were strong, you don't need any help. That's not true. Real quality men are humble. They may be strong, they're warriors, all those things, but there's a, a humble quality about them that makes them recognize when they're in over their head and they'll ask for help, asking help from God and asking advice from other people. So the importance of asking... We need to be really quick to ask God for his help, first and foremost. We can't take what the culture tries to tell us to be strong and self-sufficient and all those things. We've got to get quick to ask God for help in situations. This is what James says, he writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault will be given to him. So the moment that you find yourself asking the question, do I have what it takes to be a good dad? Do I have what it takes to be the right kind of husband? And you start to wonder, I don't think I have what it takes. James is saying, if you lack wisdom, if you lack anything, ask God, and he'll give generously, and he'll give it to you if you ask for those things. God, what we don't realize is God is anxiously waiting, anxiously waiting to help us, anxiously waiting to pour out all of his resources into our life. But oftentimes he's waiting for us to come to him in humility and ask. Another thing you remember about this that's different than what we find in other places. When God answers and gives to us as a request, in other words, you come to him, God, I need your wisdom for a decision. God, I need help because I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to lead properly. Help me to lead the way you would lead. We ask those things. The Bible says that he's going to do that. When God gives us what we ask for, he gives generously. What does that mean? In excess. More than enough. You can never deplete his resources. And depending on what our own experiences in life, growing up or even our own thing there, we may be able to give somebody what they ask for, 
but if our own physical resources, our own emotional strength is weak, we can give, but we often realize that we're only given a meager amount that might just barely meet. But that's not the way God is. God has limitless resources, and he's not caught in this spot where he has to be careful how much he gives so he has enough to give to the next person. God says he gives generously, which is full. There's more than you could ever get. When you ask for wisdom, he'll give wisdom, but way beyond it. Remember when, when, when Solomon asked for that? I need wisdom to be able to lead your people. And what did God give him? God gave him wisdom to lead as a king, but the Bible also tells us that he poured all kinds of other wisdom into Solomon as a king, so much so that people used to come to him and ask him questions, not about leading sometimes, but about, they were just wowed by the fact he knew all the stuff about plants and animals. God gave him above and beyond what he asked for. And the same thing is true for you and I. When we ask for wisdom, we ask for strength, and we ask for guidance and direction in this leading thing, he's going to give us way beyond what we expected. Another thing to remember about this when you go to God and ask him, he never finds fault when you ask. You're never going to get a no with things attached to it. He's not going to say, when you ask, he's going to ask, nah, because you should have figured this out by yourself. You're never going to hear that from God. That may be something that you would hear from a person on your job or maybe even your own father or maybe else somebody significant in your life and you ask them, nah, you've got to figure that one out on your own. God's not going to do that. He's never going to say that you should be able to do this on your own. Why are you asking me? He's never going to do that. Because, like I said before, God is anxiously awaiting for us to ask him in humility, and he's willing to throw everything he's got behind us. You can be confident. This is one of these things. We were talking a little bit about this. We touched on this a little bit in, in Sunday school this morning. Um, and this might sound like it contradicts what was said. You can be confident that when you ask God that he will answer. Because what you're, and, but the, the tag there oftentimes is when you ask according to his will. When you ask according, and that's a huge phrase. When you ask according to his will. Unfortunately, many of the things that we ask for are not according to his will. But I want to tell you one thing this morning that's absolutely always true. That when you ask God to help you to lead your children, when you ask God to help you lead your wife, when you ask God to help you to be the best father that you can be in a godly way, that is an, an ask that's according to his will. Because when he blessed you with children, when he blessed you with a wife, his intention was that you would walk in the fullness of all that that meant. So when you ask for help in that area, and you're asking for the resources that you need to accomplish that effectively, he will answer that, because it's according to his will. Look what John says in First John. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, now, in that whatever we ask, you've got to put it in terms of what he said before, according to his will. Oftentimes that verse is taking, they'll take the whatever you ask. That's not what it says, because it says that if we ask according to his will, then whatever we just ask for, we know that we will have what we ask for putting that idea there. So this is not just true about leading and being a father. It's about anything that we're asking that's something according to God's will. How do you know what God's will is? You get into this thing and find out what the character and nature of God is, and when you start asking for God that go according to the things that he says in his word, you can be guaranteed that he's going to unlock heaven to do that for you. So remember that that assurance, anything that God's called you to in life, that you can back up with scripture 
or that he's instructed you to do in Scripture? He'll answer. But it does not include your list of wants or what you might kindly or, or, or creatively cloak in it's a need. Okay? Oftentimes what we say are our needs are cleverly cloaked wants or desires. The idea here is, and, and I'm saying, well, how do you know the difference? You've got to get into the Word of God so that the Word of God can actually cut to your heart and show you what your motivation is when you ask for something. Because this idea of asking according to God's will, the way I look at that, it would be the same kind of thing that Jesus would ask for if he was in our shoes. If Jesus would ask, what would he ask the Father for? Because he asked the Father all the time in prayer for things and for help and for wisdom and for direction. And God always answered him. And we have to recognize that again. What would Jesus be praying in this situation? What would he be asking the Father for in this situation? And that will help us to clarify, maybe get some of our, our flesh out of there. So go back again. When you don't know what to do, what to do as a father, or you feel inadequate, or you really just don't feel up to the task that's in front of you, what do you do? You ask. You ask God for help. You study. Find resources. Find somebody to ask a question of that will speak to you. Practice those things. Practice the asking. Practice the doing of what the advice was. And then repeat as many times as it takes to get through it. A closing challenge for the guys in the room today. Okay, We're going to go to James again. This is a pretty strong statement. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. <clears throat> Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So you want to be successful in this fatherhood thing? Do you want to successfully lead your family? Do you want to successfully lead your wife in a way that she can truly be proud of you and, and truly appreciate all that you're doing? Do you want to lead your children in such a way that they will serve Jesus Christ someday? That they will stand up and they will have strong character qualities and be leaders in their generation? First and foremost, be humble before God. Ask Him for help. Foster a really, really close relationship with Him. Make it a habit in your life to repent and turn from sin. And the Bible promises that if we do those things, the humility, foster a close relationship with God, walking in humility, repenting and turning from sin, the Bible tells us in the end, He will lift us up. As men, we often pursue fame and fortune and glory, and we want people to think good about us. We want to be recognized. We may never say that, but we do things specifically for those reasons, because we're human beings. But the route to getting those things in the end, to being lifted up, the only way we're going to truly be satisfied is when a God that does the lifting up. And that passage right there tells us how that happens. And isn't it interesting? The very thing that the world would never do to be lifted up, it starts with God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Because usually it's out of pride that we do that. Look at me and pursuing stuff for me and promoting me. 
Well, God's way is just the opposite. We were willing to take a back seat and be a servant leader and all those kinds of things that Jesus did. It isn't interesting how Jesus has gone on to be the most influential man that's ever lived. And God has the same things in store for not to be that influential, but God will lift us up as we walk things out his way. So my closing question to you this morning is what do you need to do in response to the message this morning? What's God saying to you? What did he say? This is the time to somehow, get, whether it's writing down or keeping a mental note so that you don't forget, what are the things that jumped out today at you, that caught your attention? Maybe it's something that bothered you. If it bothered you, you need to think about that one too whether you should be throwing it out or is there something in there that guy's trying to say. But what has he said to you this morning? What has he shared with you this morning? And now my other question is, are you in a spot this morning where you need prayer? You need to ask. We can do something today. We can walk out of here being, you know, and some of you may have said that it's true. I don't like to ask for help. I don't do very good at that. Well, the bottom line, we're in the presence of God this morning with other people that love us and care about us, the question would be if you find yourself that I don't know how to handle this situation or I'm not sure what to do in this, I don't know how to do this or the other thing, then ask. You can talk to God, but you also have other people you could ask for for help. So, so do you need prayer? Maybe there's some of you this morning that need to pray and need to take a brave step to ask other people to pray for you. And maybe there's some of you that because of it's a commitment thing, it's a commitment thing to commit to being a passionate father that you need to ask. You maybe need to talk to God alone about that one and, 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 talk, and, and give a commitment to him. My encouragement to you today, though, is to be obedient and responsive to whatever that would be. Be decisive and be direct in your actions today. Don't put things off. Respond today. Now, what we're going to do is the worship team can come on up. I'm going to pray in a second. Um, but as we go through the closing song... I've got a couple of uh, men that are going to be coming. Ex we're going to have a, the regular people that were up here before are going to be up in the front as well for general prayer concerns, but there's also going to be a couple guys here in the middle that are willing to pray for any fathers this morning or any, any men this morning that have one of those things that they'd like to, to have prayer for, that are willing to get out of their seat and get beyond the thing of being afraid to ask for help and just willing to say that. And God will honor that. When we humble ourselves before God, he will lift us up and he'll do. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the fathers in the room today. I thank you for all of uh, the fathers that, that are doing, that, that, are, that are, some are visiting, I know, family and stuff today and doing different things, Lord. I just pray that you'd be with them too. But I pray that you would just uh, work in all of us, Lord. Help us as fathers to be leaders, godly leaders in our home. And Lord, help us to remember that you've given us what we need to accomplish this huge task that's in front of us. I pray that we would diligently and decisively give our whole being to actively leading and being involved with our kids and with our wives. And Lord, I pray that as we do that, that we would be able to receive all the empowerment and all the equipment that you've given us. And I pray that those things would go forth and there would be great fruit in that, Lord. Not just in our, in our own kids and our own families, but something that would transcend generations until the day you return that can be linked back to the good decisions and good choices and the good leadership um, practice that we performed while we were on this earth. Just pray that you'd help us to do that. Help us to get over ourselves enough, Lord, to be able to ask for help. We need it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.